Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be Alma chapter 28, verse 1. And now it came to pass that after the people of Ammon were established in the land of Jershon, and a church was established, the Lord's house being a house of order, whatever organization is necessary to teach and administer the ordinances of the gospel, has from the days of Adam always been established among the Lord's people. Among all peoples and in all dispensations, the saints have met together to edify and instruct one another. The only problem is we don't really have a description in the scriptures about how the church was organized, but we can imagine that it was probably organized at least as good as our churches today. In the land of Jershon, and the armies of the Nephites were set round about the land of Jershon, yea, and all the borders round about the land of Zarahemla. Behold, the armies of the Lamanites had followed their brethren into the wilderness. And thus there was a great, there was a tremendous battle, yea, even such an one as never had been known among all the people in the land from the time Lehi left Jerusalem. Yea, and tens of thousands of the Lamanites were slain and scattered abroad. Yea, and also there was a tremendous slaughter among the people of Nephi. Nevertheless, the Lamanites were driven and scattered, and the people of Nephi returned again to their land. This was not a standing army, so following the war, they returned to their own lands again. Verse 4, And now this was a time that there was a great mourning and lamentation heard throughout all the land among all the people of Nephi. Yea, the cry of widows mourning for their husbands, and also of fathers mourning for their sons, and the daughter for the brother. Yea, the brother for the father, and thus the cry of mourning was heard among all of them mourning for their kindred who had been slain. Since only men are being mourned for the, for the battles did not occur within the city, but outside the city. And now surely this was a sorrowful day, yea, a time of solemnity and a time of much fasting and prayer. And thus ended the 50th or the 15th year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. And this is the account of Ammon and his brethren, their journeyings in the land of Nephi, their sufferings in the land, their sorrows and their afflictions and their incomprehensible joy, and the reception and safety of the brethren in the land of Jershon. And now may the Lord, the Redeemer of all men, bless their souls forever. Again, that, that was probably a insert by Mormon to uh, explain what was going on. Verse 9, And this is the account of the wars and contentions among the Nephites, and also the wars between the Nephites and the Lamanites, and the fifteenth year of the reign of the judges is ended. And from the first year to the fifteenth has brought to pass the destruction of many thousand lives. Yea, it has brought to pass an awful scene of bloodshed, and the, and the bodies of many thousands are laid low in the earth, while the bodies of many thousands are moldering in heaps upon the face of the earth. Yea, and many thousands are mourning for the loss of their kindred, because they have reason to fear, according to the promises of the Lord, that they are consigned to a state of endless woe. Endless woe does not mean that intended punishment is of an endless duration, but rather that it is God's punishment, and God is endless. Therefore, he has chosen to call that punishment that comes from him by his name or endless. This is done to make the warning more expressed that it might work upon the hearts of the children of men in the hope that it will dissuade them from sin. That was by Millet McConkie. Verse 12. While many thousands of others truly mourn for the loss of their kindred, yet they rejoice and exult in the hope and exult in the hope and even know, according to the promises of the Lord, that they are raised to dwell at the right hand of God in a state of never ending happiness. 
F. Burton Howard said, I once attended a funeral service with Elder M. Russell Ballard. A statement he made there has remained with me to this day. He said, life isn't over for a Latter-day Saint until he or she is safely dead, with their testimony still burning brightly. Safely dead, what a challenging concept. We will not be safe until we have given our hearts to the Lord, until we have learned to do what he would, what we have promised. Verse 13, and thus we see, here's another Mormon uh, interpretation or a point that he's making, how great the inequality of man is because of sin and transgression and the power of the devil, which comes by the cunning plans, which he hath devised to ensnare the hearts of men. And thus we see the great call of diligence to serve with all our heart, mind and strength of men to labor in the vineyards of the Lord. And thus we see the great reasons of sorrow and also of rejoicing, sorrow because of death and destruction among men and joy because of the light of Christ unto life. I bear testimony that these things are true, uh, that we need to uh, have the light of Christ in our lives uh, constantly, do all the things that we can to maintain that light and not venture into the darkness. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. See you next time.